So for those of you feeling bad going back to school, even fish have to go back to school. Even fish have to go back. Uh, so everybody turn to your neighbor and say, Happy New Year. Happy New Year, everybody. Exactly. Exactly. No, it's not January, but like, listen, we're all friends here. We're, we like to say we're a family here at Hope Des Moines, so we can, we can like quit putting on the act. We can take off the mask for a second. We all know that this is the real New Year, right? Like in January, at some point, it's cold and miserable. And like at the end of December, like the holidays are past, all of that's happening. And then some, at some point, we arbitrarily decide that it's the next year. And what are, we, what are we awarded with for this brand new, exciting new year? More miserable cold. The day looks exactly like it did before. But to contrast that, in the fall, uh, students and teachers go back to school. It's a new fiscal year for some businesses. We at the church even heard us say, John and I say at announcements, there are new things starting in the fall. Back in the day when we used to watch television on TV, like live, like on cable, uh, new shows started in the fall. The summer starts to change and you even have to dress differently. This is the real new year. And with this change, and any change, comes a certain amount of anticipation. A certain amount of anticipation uh, for this new year, for any new possibility. And that anticipation for new things generally looks one of two ways, as demonstrated by our clip today, one of the greatest animated movies, nay, one of the greatest movies of all time, Finding Nemo. Now with Marlin and Nemo, you saw those two ways that anticipation often looks. You have the dad fish, Marlin, who sees the danger of the ocean. Because of his past, rightly so, he's a little nervous about things, but fear and that anticipation for bad things to happen colors everything that he knows. He sees uh, his son, Nemo, uh, he sees his uh, propensity to run towards danger and is afraid and wondering that something bad is going to happen. He sees his little fin and fears the worst. Remember, the one thing that he says, what's the one thing that you need to remember, Nemo? And Nemo says, the ocean is dangerous. The world is dangerous. That's the one thing he wants to make sure his son knows. Maybe you identify with that. And you're looking and every single new opportunity is greeted with the thoughts of all of the bad things that could and you're convinced will probably happen. Now to contrast that, there's Nemo who sees the wonder and majesty of everything that God made. He doesn't say it that way, but every new thing is, uh, you know, a possibility. Every new uh, anticipatory uh, experience could be a different chance to learn. He's excited about everything, even sharks. And listen, I'm not a marine biologist, but I don't think clownfish should fly, or fly, yeah, fish fly. Obviously not a marine biologist. Uh, they shouldn't swim around sharks, but he's just excited to see it all. Now we are all, one or the other, generally we gravitate towards one or other sides of these, this spectrum of Nemo or of Marlin. And we all fall somewhere in between in different areas of life to start this morning, I would like to ask this question. Where are you during this real, genuine, the real new year? Where are you? Are you more a Marlin or are you more a Nemo? Maybe said another way, what is your posture to this new season? Now, I'm not talking about a physical posture, but I'm talking about your emotions and your spirit. Are you, if we're perfectly honest, remember, like I said, we're all friends here. 
Are you more a Marlin or more a Nemo this fall? We've been in the middle of this uh, year-long endeavor called 12 Books in 12 Months, the Year of the Bible, where we look at different sections of the Bible that we call books that make up the larger book of the Bible, and we've taken a look at a different one each month, and this month, in the month of August, we're taking a look at the book of Isaiah uh, in this series that we're calling Tomorrowland, and it's because we're looking at how our posture needs to be for this new season, this new year. And it's named after their main character of this book. It's from Isaiah. He was a prophet, which is essentially just a way to say someone who speaks on behalf of God. Now, something that happens with prophets is that oftentimes when we think of prophets, whether we grew up in church or not, we just think of them as these people that tell the future, like crystal ball style. They somehow predict things are going to happen. Now, while Isaiah certainly did that in a lot of circumstances, it's also really important that we understand another thing that prophets did was to speak God's truth into people's lives at that point in time as well. So instead of only telling the future, he came into the present to shed God's light and truth on what was already happening. You see the distinction? Instead of just telling the future of what was going to happen, he spoke God's truth into what is currently happening at that point in people's lives. And Isaiah did a whole lot of that calling out, so to speak. There are essentially two different parts to Isaiah's message. The first part, uh, you've heard some of these during the series, but Isaiah first warned against people's own brokenness and their sins. Their own brokenness and their sins. And sometimes this is the part that we get hung up with in prophets. We, we know that they're the ones that like get angry and yell. And, and sometimes what we do is we reduce them to some caricature of prophets where like they're the, the old guys like out on the lawn, like yelling at kids to get off. Like that's sometimes what we reduce prophets to. But instead, I would like to say maybe let's think of it a different way. Prophets like Isaiah are calling out in us our shortcomings, our coping mechanisms, and our brokenness. Because we are all sinful people. We all do things that hurt ourselves and others. And prophets often come along when that brokenness, that sin, those ways that we cope, all of those things are so entrenched in the fabric of our everyday lives that it doesn't even really look like brokenness anymore to ourselves and to others. We don't even notice it anymore. We start to not recognize the way that we ignore our neighbors. We start to not recognize the ways that we cope with our problems. We start to not recognize the way that we treat people as objects. We start to value the things that matter in the short term. We start to not recognize that we're not valuing God's long-term eternal perspective. It happens to all of us. And as we talked about, Sometimes, instead of, you know, a habit or a hang-up or anything like that, sometimes our brokenness manifests in the form of some cynical or jaded approach towards life. And maybe it's robbing you of your joy. Maybe that's how it looks in your life. The list of human brokenness goes on and on, and it touches each one of us in a really personal way. Because we're all human, which means that we all sin. We all fall short. And it's this sin, this brokenness, that leads us to one new year after another, regardless of whether you're a Marlin or whether you're a Nemo, dealing with some of the same things 
from the year before. And maybe you found yourself listening to, to Bree read the scripture today and say, oh, like the promise of like God's new year. Don't we do this every year? I've heard that before. These new opportunities, I've heard that before. But guess what? New year, big promises, but nothing ever changes. Maybe that's where you find yourself at today. So many of us want a change in our lives. So many of us want like, thing, like God to snap his fingers and all of our problems to be different in an instant like some sort of magic that makes everything better. But it's about following Jesus that leads to the life, the life-transforming new year. That's what takes it from one year to another. That's why I mention it because my question is this. In all the years that we're trying to make this the new year, we're trying to make this the new chance, we're trying to make this the new possibility, in all of that time, how much have you changed what your focus is over that time period? A lot of people are wanting God to change their lives, but unwilling to take the steps to follow Jesus. That's why I bring all of this up, is because that's the goal. That's the difference maker. That's what takes the same old year to new life. Any prophet who tells anyone that they're sinful without any good news is indeed that old man on the lawn. And if our, actually, if our scripture for today didn't exist, if Isaiah was like 50-some chapters long, then Isaiah would just be that old curmudgeon with like a blowhorn on the corner of the farmer's market. But luckily for us, Isaiah, and in actuality, God, because it's the word of God, is the one writing the end of the story. So we'll flip uh, to our scripture reading for today. Feel free to take out your Bibles. There's some to my left, your right, also in the back. Take one with you, our gift to you. Or feel free to get it in front of you in another way. Take out the internet machines we all have in our pockets. And uh, feel free to Google Luke chapter 4. Bet you didn't see that one coming, did you? Luke chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 16. Luke chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 16. Jesus went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. So he's going home. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom because he went to church on the weekends. He stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written. And this is from Isaiah chapter 61 that you heard read today. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind and set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone on, in the synagogue were fastened on him. That same passage that we read today, that same message that Isaiah told to a specific group of people, essentially Jesus had signed up to do the scripture reading for church. Bree, of anyone, did something this service exactly like Jesus did. So if, listen, side note, if anybody, if that's ever a motivation to sign up to be a scripture reader, that's it. Although, Jendar does not make you read off of a scroll. She prints it out really nicely for you. So, sign up to be a scripture reader. But that's essentially what Jesus was doing. He came up, read that passage, but there was a little bit more that happened. It wasn't exactly the end of the story. Jumping back in, in verse 21. He had just sat down. Then he began by saying to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Fulfilled, like made whole, like check, done. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. 
Jesus is saying, hey, you know that future that God's promising? You know that time when God's going to come and make everything right? Yeah, this guy. Jesus was saying, basically telling them he was that person that was going to set everything right in a way that was previously unimaginable in a way that only the Christ can. So it's all good, right? It said they were amazed at what he was saying. So like everybody believed and followed Jesus and nobody ever sinned again and we all lived happily ever after, right? It's not exactly how it goes. If you read the rest of verse 22, or yeah, the rest of verse 22, so they were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips, but then they asked, isn't this Joseph's son? Jesus said to them, surely you'll quote this proverb to me, physician, heal yourself, and you'll tell me, do what you did here in your hometown, what you heard, what, what you did in Capernaum. Truly I tell you, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. They were like, oh, wow, this is pretty amazing. This could, this could be a new thing. This could be a new day. Wait a second. Isn't that Joseph's kid? We know that guy. We saw him grow up. This is his hometown. Oh, that's just, that's just Joe's kid. That's Jesus. Oh, it's fine. Oh, whatever. It's not a new thing. What does he know about changing anything? They were listening to a familiar verse that they had heard many, many times before, read by a guy that they all knew, and because of that familiarity, because of those assumptions, they were missing the fresh word of God directly in the middle of it. And Jesus knew that they were, and it made him sad. <laughs> because he said, no prophets welcome in their hometown. Because what he meant is like, we are all, where everyone is familiar with everything that's going on, sometimes so entrenched in our own brokenness, so entrenched with our own sin. We're so used to what's going on around us that we don't think new life is possible. I know that applies to us here in 2019 Central Iowa as well. Sometimes we get so calloused by our brokenness. Sometimes we get so scarred by our struggles that we fall through this trick that, oh, we can get excited, but nothing ever really changes. Nothing really matters. So this is the point that I would like to bring to us uh, this morning. And if you are a tweeter, tweet this. If you put cute things on your Instagram story, this is your time. If you're a note taker, take this note. What I'd like to suggest to us this morning is that Jesus brings new life to old assumptions. And I actually struggled a little bit with how to phrase this sentence because I originally said brings new life to old things, but old things aren't bad, right? There are old buildings that are beautiful. There are old traditions that still hold the spirit of God. But our assumptions are sometimes the things that we just assume are the case and then we, we kind of close the door on what God can do. So Jesus brings new life to old assumptions. We had a ministry fair this past week uh, where after the service, people could come and uh, chat with representatives from different ministries. We have a lot going on around here, certainly, if you couldn't tell already. Uh, there were signs wrapping on the back walls all the way around the worship center and even spilling into the back lobby because of all the different ways that we uh, are creating new opportunities that people want to serve their community here. But I guarantee that some of you, and I understand this feeling, 
A lot of you might have been looking at all of that, and maybe you're going through a difficult season. Maybe you've been burned by church language before and new, are new around here. But you're looking at some of these things as John was going through and describing all of the different, uh, all of the different ministries, and you're like, local youth outreach? Sure, Chris, you can call it whiz kids. You can call it whatever you want. But that's not going to change anything. I've heard that before, and these kids still have a lot of problems that they're going to have to overcome. You look over at another side and you say, core class? You mean adult Bible school? That's essentially what it is. That's not going anywhere fast. I've tried that before. It doesn't work. And then you look over and you see the sign and you say, young adult ministry? The millennials? The dreaded generation? They're ruining the world. They're certainly not showing up for church. A lot of times what people will say to me in those circumstances are like, Chris, let's be real. So let me share some real things that are coming out of these ministries. Let me be real with you about what's actually happening. WizKids has been a place where kids in various form of trauma, many of which are coming from refugee families, they're coming from all over the world to central Iowa to find a new life. These kids and their families have seen literally the worst that the world can offer them. And they're learning what it's like for one night a week to actually feel safe, sometimes for the first time in their life. And they're learning about what it means to feel safe here in this church at the foot of the cross. We evaluate our own life stories in core. We make, uh, in the core class, adult Bible school, in this core class, we, uh, we make our life maps where we kind of look on a zoomed out perspective of all of these things that have these big touch points in our lives from the zoomed out perspective to see where God has been working. And there were grown businessmen and women in high positions in a bunch of different places who are tough as nail in their everyday professions who are tearing up in front of everybody here as they've realized the ways that God has been in their stories, not just in the easy or the joyous times, but in the hard times as well. And young adults, for the ministry fair, just a quick inside baseball, for the ministry fair, like those of us that work here, like we, we like own a certain amount of these, right? Like the different ministries that we help coordinate, we have to find volunteers to stand under these signs. And it was difficult for me as the young adult minister to find young adults to stand under that sign because they were almost all of the ones that I asked were already serving in different areas in the ministry fair. They were serving and representing as the representative in the ministry fair, some of the leaders of these ministries and life groups and student ministry, raising up the next generation, meal teams, uh, feeding our classes and the people in need, uh, core class, and we're even talking, I even had a conversation with some people, uh, some 20-somethings about how they wanted to be in a life group, but they were, we were having to talk about which life group they could participate in because they also wanted to take core. Listen. Popular to the narrative of the world, young adults are showing up because they've met Jesus. One other story, we did a school supply drive recently, and that same attitude of our passage of like getting really excited initially might be able to, to happen today. You could apply that as well. We're like, well, there are kids in need, and we need to get them what they need. And you guys are like, yeah, but a school supply drive? Churches all everywhere do supply drives. Chris, don't you know what Des Moines Public Schools are up against? 
We're not going to solve the need of some church. Like, let's be real for a second. We held that supply drive, and a bunch of you uh, helped organize it after an 11 o'clock service. There were, there were no, like, sign-ups for volunteers. I got up here, and I was like, hey, as a church, after church, feel free to stop by. We'll organize this. And, guys, it was the best form of holy chaos. People were leaving, but a lot of people were out in the lobby staying. This building is not a big place, fun fact. And so uh, they, as people were trying to leave, we're, like, going back and forth and throwing school supplies where they're supposed to be. And one of the fun things about it was uh, there was a middle school kid. Remember, people that, quote unquote, don't want to be at church. A middle school boy, as his family, they were ushering, you know, on to the next thing, going to Trader Joe's, something, you know, next on their Sunday schedule. And their middle school son turns to them and says, well, guys, we're not done. We have to organize the school supplies. So they, as a family, stayed and participated with dozens of the rest of you, and we got it all cranked out and organized and ready to go. And then that week, we drove those over in a truck to the West Des Moines campus that week where the school districts uh, were going to pick them up from that centralized location and distribute them to the schools as they needed. And friends, every campus did a great job providing for their community. But the picture you see up there, guys, we filled up a wall in West Des Moines' lobby because of your generosity. Our contact from Des Moines Public Schools told us that because of hope, there would be kids, and this is hard for me to imagine, but it's the reality for a ton of kids. There were kids that were going to walk into school with nothing, who maybe hadn't eaten, hadn't had the world against them. But because of your generosity, our contact was telling us, this counselor was saying, because of hope, they were going to be able to walk out with the things that they need and because of that have an exponentially greater chance to not only succeed but to thrive this school year. And you can't tell me that that doesn't matter. These ministries, these drives, these examples that I'm talking about, make no mistake, they don't succeed because hope is great. They don't, not any of us on staff or even any, you volunteers are great, but it's not because we're any better than anybody else doing it across central Iowa. There are a ton of fantastic communities trying to make our city better. The reason that this is transformative, the reason that people's lives are being changed is because Jesus is at the center of it. The reason that anything that we do that succeeds around here is because people are meeting Jesus and realizing the new life that comes through him on, from the cross. The people that are getting changed, they're learning to lay down that calloused, scarred heart and are handed a fresh life by the God that would die for them and did die for them and rose again for you. Jesus brings new life to old assumptions. We have a young adult service for you know college age, 20s and 30s, um, that, I, that I help um, put together every Tuesday night. Every Tuesday night. So if that applies to you all, or you just like young adults, we don't cart at the door, um, feel free to stop by. 7 p.m. every Tuesday. Would love to see you. We always end with a challenge. We always end with something like a really like applicable, down-to-earth thing for each of us. Like we take the second to think about what our next step is for this next season. So that's what we're going to do here. Here's my challenge this week for all of us. 
unless, don't make the mistake, I don't mean us as in some faceless crowd, like, like some people of hope, like yes, you all. I mean you, your name here, think of your name, first, middle, last name. This is your personal challenge. What's one way this new season that you can let Jesus breathe new life into your old assumptions? And even if you're totally fine with church, maybe you're saying to me, Chris, like, I'm cool with church. Like, I'm really glad of all the hope, stuff hope is doing. Like, I'm, I'm totally on board. Sometimes that calloused, that, that cynical nature often extends outside these walls as well. Because Jesus is about our whole lives, not just here on Sunday. What about the assumption that you'll never find love? That you'll never find that person to share your life with? What, if, what about that assumption that you'll not be able to sustain adult friendships? What about that lie that you tell yourself that you'll never get on top of that to-do list or that goal that you have for yourself or that, that assumption that you'll never overcome that mental health struggle or that you'll never be able to get past that label or that brokenness that you had in the past. For each of us, it's gonna look different. For Marlon, what if he had set aside his fear to see the life that was in front of him? the life that his son so easily saw. Spoiler alert, he does, and eventually through a series of events, but to step into life that's right in front of him, not surrounded by fear. If you're the people in that synagogue, it's about, uh, with Jesus from our scripture reading, it's about seeing past your own bias and being willing to see something new in people. And for us here today, we need to recognize that sometimes that scar tissue of cynicism in our hearts is the thin layer between us and Jesus. And the fresh life that he breathes into everything is just on the other side of it. So it's gonna look different for all of us, but what new life might be breathed into your life if you let Jesus into your everyday? Because with Jesus, this year can be different. Because with Jesus, everything is different. Because Jesus brings new life to old assumptions. And he'll do it for us, and he'll do it for you. Amen. Let's stand as we prepare our hearts for communion.